0: We just need to lose the music in our ears. again. See it? You're worth it.
1: you are the way maker you are the healer you are the great son of God who as we look to this as we begin our Advent season we look towards the birth we think about all those years that the whole earth was waiting for God's answer when is the Savior coming and as you told the prophets of old hold on the prophet told us hold on the day is coming let us remember that. Hold on, for you still are God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
2: I can't figure this out. Hi, good morning. Happy Advent. And and I know that many of you know what Advent means, but uh, for those of you who don't, Advent is taken from a Latin word, Adventus, which means the coming. And originally, it was intended to really prepare our hearts for the second coming of Christ. But in the Middle Ages, they tied it in with preparing our hearts also to remember and celebrate the first coming of Christ when he came into earth. And so we get to enter in, and I just want to give a huge shout out to Alini because uh, uh, our own uh, little Alini did all of this with some help with schlepping, because she wasn't exactly designed to schlep, but we got a lot of people who are good at schlepping, and I don't know why I keep using that term, but it's the right term, I feel. Um, and speaking of schlepping, Bill, would you like to share with our church family?
1: I, I would, I would. Uh, you what Thank you. We got can to you do guys this like this Mike? Thank you. So, I just need to say thank you to a few people because some amazing things happened in the last, how many ever days it was between last Monday and today. I've gotten to have some sleep finally in the last three months. So, to just let you know, yes, Alini, this was incredible. I just, you were, that is the master over there. To watch her create this is like watching Van Gogh paint. But anyways, Pastor, I just got a question real quick. Could ask a question.
2: Did Did your wife dress you? Because my wife dressed me, and we're wearing the same thing. But that's beside the point. Thank you for
1: pulling it out. Mm -hmm. But it's after 41 years. It's kind of like a standard. But anyway, so this is a real comfy place right here. Looks like a living room up here. It's so cool, you know. So I thought during the sermon, you're not going to snore. I just I just thought I'd just sit right here and drink my coffee and watch you. You know, okay. You would fall asleep. That'd be cool, you know. Take a nap. It'd be great. Okay, (laughs) so wet. We're so ADD I right now. I know. I can't help it. But I need to say so, Is Jackie here? Where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? Jackie? Are you here, Jackie? Oh, of course. She's sleeping. She's oh, still she's hibernating at she this point. She had a fear that I was going to do this. Where's yeah. Jackie? Diane is here. Diane, would you stand up, please? Byron. Byron. Okay, anybody who helped pack a box, did the distribution days, helped me get this thing ready in the last three months, please stand up. All of you, come on. Come on, peoples because stay standing stay standing because I want now I can tell you what you did see I didn't tell them this before just so all of you know they don't know these numbers yet because you don't tell somebody what they're going to accomplish before they start because then they freak out and don't show up so I was afraid of that Mm -hmm. so here's the deal so just so you know here's one of the things that happened first off We thought there was going to be 1,100 families. That would have been cool to do, wouldn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, well, that didn't happen. We helped 1,200 families. So that was the first thing, okay? There were 24 organizations that we were able to help get all of this stuff to. 850 in the first day and 350 in the second day. It was nuts in the first day. It was pretty great. hunk team. It was pretty nuts for everybody that was part of all the distribution. All right. I'm taking some time. Sorry. Fine. I'm just so excited. It was That's really good. cool to watch. Now I've gotten some sleep, so Keep I going. feel pretty good. Okay, I'm going. 100-plus volunteers over the last three months. I mean, these guys were amazing. This is just a small portion of what it took to do this. Jackie Cranston, by the way. If you're watching at home, Jackie, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jackie Cranston, Leanne Harlow, those two ladies put in countless amount of barbers. Jackie is our warehouse manager. Yes, go ahead, because they're watching. So... They, she is phenomenally organized and administrative. God put her in our lives because she knew God, Bill couldn't do that. Anyway, God knew Amen. I couldn't do that. So then and Leanne Harlow took my place for shopping because evidently Bill decided to take a small little fall and he couldn't do it. But anyway, so thank you to Leanne Harlow. I know she's watching. Please say thank you to Leanne because she shopped for the next number that I'm going to give you. So in all, all of that stuff that was accomplished Here's the number of meals that that served. Okay, go ahead and flip it up there. 39,600 meals were served. See, now you know why I didn't tell them beforehand. (laughs) I didn't want anybody going, yeah, I'm not going. That's crazy. Anyways, in two days. Hmm. That was phenomenal. I just want to say what a blessing you all are. Thank you so very much. God bless you all. And just a small, now that you've had your accolades, see how good that felt to do that? That was great, right? Yeah, Christmas is coming. So now we have, old, but see, for Christmas, we only need 700 boxes. Easy peasy, right? No problem. There's a small little addition, just a small one. We have a lot of children that need toys who won't have Christmas if we don't help them, right? Hmm. There's only 2,000 children. So, two thousand kids need help with toys. Next week, the tags we didn't. Get yeah, right. we'll do them next week. Yeah, next week the tags will be on the tree. So, if you can buy toys for the kids, you can have your kids shop. And and all we're asking is that if you do pull a tag, please tape the tag to the toy. You don't have to wrap it. Um, uh, next week, a schedule will be out to show you the dates of the wrapping parties. The wrapping parties will take place right over in the family room. And yes, it's going to be a crazy time again, like always. Only this time we have two thousand toys to wrap, but not a worry. We won't let the pastor wrap. Hold on, hold on. I'm white chocolate. I can wrap like the best of them. <laughs>
2: just Ethan, kidding. Okay, keep Ethan going. Ethan knows. Ethan. Oh, different type of wrap. Yeah, got Ethan's it. Now wrapper trash than bag Dad, but
1: that's okay. We won't get into that. So, just okay. want you to know that got those it. dates are coming. The volunteer opportunities to pack will be on. Jack, you'll be working on <laughs> okay. that. We're still going to have the rig- Now, these boxes, we don't, we are not able. We barely got the turkeys. So we are not able to provide any meat with these boxes. But they love the family boxes anyway, so it's a little bit smaller. The, the cost of it goes down a little bit. And by the way, thank you so much for your generosity, church. You were amazing. Just so you know, that one week that I stood up here, you guys all raised $6,000 in one day. That's what you did. You were amazing. So I just want to say thank you for that. And then um, now what we're going to do is we're going to show put a new list out there in the back next week. All the new stuff for Christmas is coming out. It's going to be an incredible time. The stories, he's probably not going to let me share a lot of stories, but the stories started coming in Thanksgiving Day at about noontime until Friday and Saturday. I was still getting stories from all the families of thank yous. What a blessing you are. Can I just share one quick one? Is it going to be quick? It's going to be short. Go for it. So here's the deal. She said, she said, Bill, Pastor Bill, I just want you to know they finally gave me a text that so I could send this to you. My mom, for the first time ever, has not been able to cook a Thanksgiving dinner, which means she didn't get to shop for it. She didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do. She's almost finished with her chemo, but she doesn't have any hair, and she's not able to do this. The kids and I, my, my two siblings and I are deciding to do Thanksgiving at her house. What she finds, very—that we didn't know what to expect. We told the local agency that's helping us. We opened the box, and my mom sat down in her chair and started to cry Mm -hmm. because this is what she buys for Thanksgiving dinner, but she didn't understand why all the other meals were there. You provided her food for an entire week, Mm -hmm. and so for that, we are really grateful. Thank you for the Merez family guys, that's one of like 40 that I received. That's the impact you're making. It's those families that we don't know about, we take for granted a lot. And I just want to say thank you for for being such a blessing to so many people that you don't even know. God bless you all. Keep up the good work.
2: Awesome. One of the things I love, Bill, is that on the year that you accomplished more than any other years, you physically couldn't do any of that. And so it was truly God's provision of you stepping up to help. God's provision, not only of the six thousand that you guys generously gave, but He He kind of supernaturally provided all that was needed in order to pay for all of that. So, guys, thank you for that. And I'm really looking forward to getting to work, you know, work together to care for a lot of other families, if. You decide, you know, it's, it's Cyber Monday tomorrow and I'm just on a shopping spree and you want to buy some toys for young kids. Go for it. You can bring them next week. There's gonna, we're going to have that pirate's chest out there open. You can just throw them in there um, or you can wait for the tag tree to figure out a, a specific toy. Um, with that, today we are going to begin our four-week Advent preparation both for Christmas time to prepare our hearts to celebrate the true reason for this season as well as to prepare our hearts knowing that Christ is going to return and and He will make things, all things new. With that, every single week we are going to be lighting a candle, uh, kind of symbolizing a different theme of that week. And this week I have the joy of getting to unpack a word that we all seem pretty familiar with, Uh, but I think is going to take on some new new meaning for us today. And that word is peace. Now, when I say the word peace, what comes to mind for you? Jesus. Jesus. I heard Brad go, I would say that pretty much sums up how a lot of us feel about peace. I was talking with Uh, Tony and Bev and they have their some of their kids and grandkids their house has some mold in it So they're all in their house and so their house is full of lots of noise and they said we came to church for peace and quiet So that's how they define peace Some of us might define peace perhaps as an absence of conflict, right? That's typically how we use that or perhaps it's our kids not fighting between one another Or peace is taking a a hiatus from going on social media or or watching the news at all. That brings peace for a lot of people. But I think that what we're going to find today as we dive into the biblical concept of peace is that it is so much more than just, God bless you, Jeannie, so much more than simply an absence of conflict. In fact, the the word that we most often see translated as peace throughout the Old Testament is this word shalom. And shalom literally means complete or whole. So it doesn't mean an absence of conflict. It means something is complete or it is whole. It's as it was intended to be and the picture that i get in my mind that has been kind of running through my mind all week is this these bowls that the, the japanese art of uh, oh my gosh i'm going to i'm going to absolutely destroy it if i try to say it so i won't even but this is this is a japanese art where they take a bowl that has fallen and broken and they will pick it up and they will begin to repair it using gold as the binding agent and for them, I mean, you look at the bowl, it's absolutely beautiful. I'm like ready to go break my dishes and then melt my wife's jewelry down and start putting some of it together, but it would not look like that, I know for a fact. But the, the Japanese art both brings it back to the way it was intended to be, but the, the use of gold ends up accentuating the, the beauty of the brokenness that has been repaired, and, and for them, that is... And for me, this symbolizes, in, in, in better ways than I could with words, symbolizes what true biblical shalom is. It is a wholeness or completeness as God intended it to be. So, some uses throughout the Old Testament, for instance. When uh, King Solomon was... Con- Finishing the construction of the temple and he consecrated it for its use, he brought shalom to the temple. It was complete. It was whole. It was ready to be used. Or when a shepherd was getting towards evening and he begins to count his flock and he realizes he's missing one of his lambs. He is not at Shalom and his flock is not at Shalom. And so what does he do? He leaves the 99 and he goes searching for the one. And when he finds that lost lamb, he picks it up and he helps lead it back to the flock. And when the, the lamb is reunited and all of his sheep are there, both the flock is at Shalom And he, his heart is in shalom. Does this make sense? You're beginning to see this picture of what shalom is really all about. It's not just an absence of conflict. In fact, I would suggest that some of you, and I will say that specifically my father experienced shalom on Thanksgiving evening. Because for the first time in, I think, something like seven years, all of of their kids were in the house, and all of their wives were in the house, and all of the grandkids were in the house. And it was certainly not peaceful. There was lots of noise and laughter and, and, and yelling throughout the house. There was nothing in terms of peace and quiet. But I remember looking over at one point as we're all sitting around and my dad is in his chair that he's always in. And he's sitting there. My dad has Parkinson's. My, my dad, is his, his body is not necessarily at Shalom, but I could see that his heart was because his kids were there. And in the midst of the chaos, there was a peace because his family was together. And some of you may experience shalom when a child who has been kind of, your relationship has been strained and your kid comes home to have a meal with you. Maybe it didn't happen at Thanksgiving. Maybe there's a longing for that at Christmas. Or, hypothetically, when a father loses his temper and yells in his home, he shatters the shalom. When he's able to humble himself enough to apologize to his spouse or to his children about the way that he lost his temper, that is bringing shalom back to his home. He's starting to get the picture. Oftentimes we think of shalom or, or, you know, peace being between kingdoms, and we think that that means that shalom is summed up when it comes from kings to kings as simply a putting down the weapons, signing a truce, and stopping fighting, and that's a portion of what biblical shalom was like between kingdoms, but in reality, it was supposed to be so much more. Biblical shalom was not only when they put their weapons down, but it was when they began to move towards one another and say, how can we work together for the betterment of both of our kingdoms? And that, by the way, was the intent of Israel's kings. When God appointed them as king, the intent was that they would bring shalom not just to the kingdom of Israel, but to the whole world, to the kingdoms around them. But that rarely happened. And so, when Isaiah, who is one of the prophets, began to look forward, he had this vision of a king who would come, sent by God, who would usher in not just a momentary shalom, but an eternal shalom. And if you want, I'd, I'd love for you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9 with me, because I want to read this, and it's something that you're going to be very familiar with. If you're looking for Isaiah, if you open your Bible right in the middle, Isaiah is right towards the middle. If you find yourself in Psalms or Proverbs, go right. If you find yourself in the New Testament, go left. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. This is a a vision of the future king that would come, and he begins with these words in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why? Because the wars are over. The fighting is over. So there's that element of peace. But he continues. Why? Why is all of that done? For to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That word peace there is Shalom. Prince of Shalom. Of the greatness of his government and Shalom, there will be no end. That is the picture that Isaiah has of the future king of Israel who would come sent by God and usher in not just a momentary peace, but an eternal peace. And guys, we know who he was talking about, don't we? Don't we? Oh, okay, sorry. For a second there, I thought that I was talking to myself. Um, we know, who, who's the name? And This is the, the, the typical question the pastors ask. You all know the answer to it, right? Who is he talking about? Jesus. Great, he was the Prince of Shalom. He was the one who's coming to usher in an eternal shalom. But let's talk for a moment about what that shalom looked like. Because what that shalom didn't look like was the kind of shalom that the Roman leaders had when they had this idea that they were going to usher in the Pax Romana, which is just another way of saying the Roman peace. And how are they going to do that? Well, first they were going to conquer all the nations around them. They were going to keep all of those nations in line with the sword and even with the cross. If you cross us, you get to go to the cross. This was the Roman way of bringing peace to the world, and it is a far cry from Jesus' way of bringing peace because that is not shalom, that is domination. And that's not how Jesus brought shalom. But on the other hand, the kind of peace that Jesus came to usher in was not making sure that you are healthy, wealthy, and comfortable making sure that you have a house and making sure that all your kids, you know, are, are happy and successful, doctors and attorneys, and so they never have to worry a day in their life about the finances and all that kind of stuff. That's not the kind of shalom he came to usher in. That has more to do with the American dream and our idolization of comfort than it does with the gospel. In fact, Jesus told his closest disciples, guys, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. I just want to warn you. You can take heart in the fact that I've overcome the world. He was pointing to the cross saying, I'm going to break the back of the brokenness of this world, but do not expect to simply be comfortable when you follow me. So the kind of shalom Jesus came to bring was not peace at the edge of a sword, and it was not peace that comes from simply being comfortable. So how then did Jesus bring shalom? I want to remind you of what the definition of shalom is completeness, wholeness, restoring things back to the way that God intended it to be. And when God the Father looked down at the world He had created, the number one area of the world that there was no shalom, where there was brokenness and disconnection, had to do with his relationship with his children, his image bearers, with you and with me. And I can tell you as a father, when there is friction, when there is, when there has been a relational rupture between me and my kids, daddy ain't got no shalom. I don't know why that's how I had to say it, but you get the heart. Like, I, there is no shalom in my heart when there is a gulf between me and my kids. I can't rest. I have a hard time, even though sometimes I go, No, this is good parenting. I need to have boundaries. There's still this element of going, Man, I want, I long for a restoration of that relationship. And I got to tell you, our Father in heaven feels just as, if not far more strongly, about our restoration back into relationship with Him. You don't believe me? Look at the cross because the cross is our tangible reminder of just how much our Father loved us. It is a tangible reminder of the length that He would go to to repair the gulf between you and Him, between me and Him, that our sin had caused. And so, because of that, and, and I'm going to invite you to turn way towards the end of the Bible to the book of Colossians, I want to look at the way in which Jesus ushered in peace. Paul's going to explain it to us in Colossians chapter 1. If you're looking to get to Colossians, you, you, got, the, you got Acts and Romans. And then you go uh, Philippians, Ephesians, oh my goodness, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So we're going to the last one, all right? That's how I remember it. General Electric Power Company. You're Welcome that you don't have to go to seminary now. You got you got all the tricks. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace how through his blood shed on the cross. Once you and I were alienated from God and we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is who you are. Why? Because our way maker, our big brother, Jesus the Christ, the anointed king, the prince of peace, willingly entered into our reality, and rather than taking a sword to all of his enemies and reestablishing the throne of, of Israel and making Israel great again, he said and he sacrificed himself for us. That's how he restored us back into relationship. That's the foundation of our relationship guys i'm well aware that i am not standing in the presence of perfect people and you're not looking at a perfect person every single one of us has stumbled rebelled fallen flat on our face and shattered our intimate connection with the father but he is not willing to let that gulf remain And so Jesus restored us. Jesus gave us the ability to be restored back into relationship with the Father. And if you are still kind of holding Him at arm's length because you don't feel worthy, first, join the club. Every single one of us are unworthy, but that's what makes this a gift and not payment for good behavior. You don't earn a gift. And the grace of God is a gift that you could have never possibly earned or paid for in your own right. So what kind of shalom did Jesus bring? He brought a restoration of relationship between us and the Father. But that's not the whole story. Because upon restoring us back into relationship, he also restored the purpose for which God made us in his image in the first place. And that is to represent his heart to the rest of the world. And here's the beautiful thing. In restoring us back into relationship with the Father, he restored us back into the family of God. And I will tell you that just, you think your family is dysfunctional? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I just experienced dysfunction in my family. Guys, we, the family of God is made up of so many different people from so many different walks of life different skin color, different political philosophy. You vote differently. You act differently. You talk differently. You view the world differently. Different things matter to you. And it's so easy for us to begin to focus on how we disagree and how different we are. In fact, that comes naturally to us as human beings. We spend so much time defining ourselves by how we're different from other people. Well, they're like that, but we're not like that. We don't think that way. And do you notice that whenever you have a difference of opinion from somebody, you in your mind are categorically right and they're categorically wrong? That is a natural arrogance that just... We don't have to work for that. That comes naturally to us. It's in me too. But here's the beauty. Jesus didn't just bridge the gulf between us and our father, he actually begins to bridge the gulf between us and people who are very, very different. For us, it looks like people from different, you fill in the blank. You, You can think of the people that you think of as enemies, that's who I'm talking about, but let me point you to who for the early church they were thinking about. Jews and Gentiles was the original odd couple, dysfunctional team. Jews were people who were the people of God. They were the ones who were sure that the Messiah was going to come back to restore the kingdom of Israel. The Gentiles were non-Jews. They were looked at as less than. And Jesus came to bridge that gulf and make them one. In fact, you don't need to take my word for it. I'm going to invite you to turn a couple of one, two books to the left to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter two. Not only did Jesus' entrance into the world, His life and his death on the cross, res- give us the ability to be restored, or to, to be at peace, or Shalom with the Father, but He gives us the ability to be at peace or Shalom. With other people who are radically different from us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus, making peace between people who otherwise had viewed themselves as enemies. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to those who were far away. He's talking Gentiles there. And peace to those who were near to the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit consequently and i'm going i'm just going to go a little bit further here it's not in there consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but your fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household that is who you are you don't have to be born into a jewish family to take hold of jesus and jesus is coming not only bridged the chasm between us and our Father so that we could be restored back into relationship with Him, but He brought sh- he, he gives us the ability to have shalom with people who think and act differently than us when we both hold on to Jesus as our Lord. Guys, I am well aware of the fact when I look in this room that if we were to throw out any of the hot-button issues in our society, we would probably disagree with lots of people in the room, and you may even come to the point where you go, I don't want to go to church with them. But in Christ, we are family. And that's beautiful. So shalom is something that we experience because of Jesus we can be in, sh- in shalom, we can be whole or complete, we can be reconnected to the Father, but it also means that because of the cross, we get to become conduits of shalom into this world. But this is not something that happens naturally. It's not something that happens by accident. We have to choose to become people who pass the peace. Our natural response when we disagree with somebody, our natural response when we're angry is to retaliate, to to return a slight for another slight. Well, if they're going to treat me that way, then I have every right to treat them that way as well. They're talking about me behind my back. I just know they are, so I'm going to talk about them behind their back. They don't give me grace, so why should I give them grace? The answer to that is because you have already received more grace than you could possibly fathom from your Father. And because of that, you get to be a conduit of that grace into other relationships that are fractured. You begin to become a peacemaker. And this is what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. He, He looked out at that crowd and he said, guys, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? for they shall be called children of God. You want to be a son or a daughter of God? Then you get to be a peacemaker. Somebody who helps cultivate shalom. Somebody who gets to be a conduit of shalom into the relationships that you have. Yeah, you could totally focus on the differences. You could totally return a slight for another slight. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But as a child of God, that's not what you are called to do. You're called to make peace. You're called to pass the shalom on. I love that picture of the, the broken vessel that has been broken and then restored. Because for, for the Japanese culture, the, 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 the gold that repairs those fissures actually makes that look more beautiful. It is a reminder of the way that wholeness has come from the brokenness and that beauty can be restored from the ashes. But guys, I got to tell you, as beautiful as that is, I know stories in this room. I know the ways in which broken, imperfect people have navigated through some of the most difficult moments, difficult seasons you could imagine, and because of the grace of God, have emerged on the other side with a new appreciation for the grace of God and and a renewed purpose that they get to be conduits of that peace. And I just want to invite you to hear one of those stories today. So I'm going to invite my friends Dean and Connie to come up. And again, like last week, this isn't something they're excited to do. I've asked them to do, and they are willing to do, and I'm really, truly grateful for that. Um, So would you welcome my friends Dean and Connie? That's for you. I'm going to get you guys a microphone and I'm going to get myself a chair. And D, you can lower your chair because you're already freakishly tall. <laughs> I say that. So so here's the thing with D. D is my buddy. D, we always try to be really good examples. And so on nextdoor.com, when that first came out, we got on it. And I know I can't believe I'm going to share this story. Um, the very first thing we do is he and I start bickering back and forth. And I say some like, I say some stupid thing like, you know, every village needs an idiot, so we're grateful we have you or something like that. And some lady, I, I, we're, just, we're just goofing around, and it's totally inappropriate, but it's our personalities. And some lady on there goes, man, if this is how neighbors interact with one another, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm off of here. And Connie straight up goes, I'm sorry, that was just my husband interacting with her pastor. I'm going, oh, jeez. So, these are my friends. Um. I would love to begin just by giving an opportunity to share um, briefly. I know that you guys have experienced a kind of a a brokenness of shalom in your marriage, and I'd just love to kind of briefly we don't want to belabor it, but share a little bit how the shalom was lost in your marriage. It was me. Yeah, go go ahead.
3: Um, The how did it start? Uh, it it, it's, it starts by, by, uh, by turning away from what you know to be the truth. And uh, I could sit here and tell you that uh, I destroyed my marriage because of all of the pressure I had, trying to be a provider and and dutiful s- uh, son and earn my father's respect mm-hmm. and can perpetuate his business plan. And I could tell you all those things that were. Approximate cause, but they really weren't. It was it was my decision, ultimately, to um, to deny the truth, and that was the beginning of the destruction of my marriage. Uh, we we divorced, uh, probably eleven years into our marriage. We had four daughters, uh, who have blessed us so far with thirteen grandchildren. Um, suffice to say, it was uh, a bunch of bad decisions, Eric. And that's what uh, brought on carnage Mm -hmm. for a long time. It destroyed the trust Mm -hmm. that I had. Uh, I broke my covenant with the one I loved. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) so it it brought a lot of pain to my children and to our family. And uh, it was like that bowl before it was fixed, Mm -hmm. but God is good.
2: So 11 years of marriage, you find yourself divorced. And I know that there's a lot of us (laughs) for a lot of couples. That's the end of that story. Then becomes the very difficult process of how do we raise children together when there's no way we can be together. How long were you guys How long was that gulf
3: between? Fifteen years. We were divorced.
2: You were divorced for fifteen years. You had four daughters. You lived in proximity to them, but in reality, you weren't. There was no shalom in your marriage. The the broken pieces on the ground.
3: Correct.
2: That should have been the end of that story. And from from the way that the world approaches it, that was the end. So how on earth is that not the end? How did you go from being that? broken bowl to being a bowl that God began to put back together. How does because I know that 15 years after you got divorced, you chose, you chose to to remarry this lug. <laughs> Could you, how how does that happen?
4: It took 15 years. <laughs> um, it was a long, hard process. I had a lot of support. I worked in a Christian school, a lot of um, good friends who supported me through much of the heartache, and uh, I spent a lot of time in psalms over and over and over. They, they just ministered to my heart so deeply. Um, and finally, recognizing that I ha- forgiveness was the only path forward whether or not we reconciled because I I know I knew that forgiveness did not automatically mean reconciliation mm-hmm. there was still another choice to be made yeah. so th- the forgiveness came slowly um, the the process of reconciliation came slowly you know our girls were involved in all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, It was a long, hard process, but I had prayed early on that God would not allow any of this pain to be wasted, Mm. and it hasn't been.
2: So tell us a little bit about that, and I I don't want to gloss over the fact that I know that is a painful, painful journey, and it's a painful pearl that you are offering to us, and I'm really grateful for your courage to do that. I know this isn't something you would choose to do, but you're willing to do it. So thank you for that gift. I also know that you're not going to try to sit up here and suggest that now you guys are per- your, your shalom is perfect and there's never any wavering of that. Like that, and that gives me hope as a husband. That okay, so you guys you know have gone through all of that. You guys have God has begun to knit that bowl back together. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you just get to stop working at it that is something that you have to continue to give grace and, and forgive and move towards one another and really rely on God. I know all, but here's the question I have, and this is the part that I'm excited to, and this is the reason why I asked you to share. I can tell you, as, an, as somebody who gets to walk with you guys, I get to see the way that God is using the bowl that it is your marriage that has been restored to pour shalom out elsewhere. I would love to hear some of the ways in which God has allowed you to become a conduit of shalom into other people's lives.
3: There have been people who have gone through what, um, what we were going through or we're in the process of considering mm-hmm. going through what uh, we went through. And God gave us the opportunity to to speak uh, to them with some degree of experience what the uh, final result of those poor decisions were going to uh, manifest and how they're going to create carnage, how they're going to create brokenness, how those decisions um, are going to separate them from their faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and warn them about that and uh, and encourage them that God can restore anything. Mm-hmm.
4: We have walked with a, a, a couple of other couples. Um, we have a family member right now who um, we're in prayer for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, God has brought us people our, within our small group just... Um, wherever we turn, mm-hmm. there are hurting people. Yeah.
2: I absolutely love, generally speaking, I love the way that God uses broken vessels as opposed to perfect vessels because then he gets the glory. I love the way that he lets the scars show a little bit because it makes it safer to trust what's coming out of that vessel. And I got to tell you guys, you You have been a a source of shalom for my family. Both just for the ways that we get to do life together, but from the ways that we get to learn from you and from the wisdom. I know, Dee, it's shocking to say this, but from the wisdom that you have shared with me and I love getting to see the ways. No, I'm, I'm not even going to, you know. I am just so unbelievably grateful for the ways that God has restored and is in the process of restoring your Shalom, and I'm grateful for the ways that it has blessed so many, including my wife and I, including my family. I'm grateful for the ways that you come alongside other hurting people, you're doing that right now with a a, a couple that I truly love. And I'm so thankful that you were willing and available to do that. Just because Shalom is broken, doesn't mean that it is gone. We, ha- we serve a God who has the ability to bring beauty out of the brokenness and to deepen our ability to pass shalom on as we begin to become more familiar with it in our own lives. And so I would love for you, and I, this wasn't part of what we were planning, but would, would you pray over us and anybody right now that is just feeling like, man, I need shalom in this area of my life. In fact, if that's you if, you, if you recognize right now in your life, there's an area that you desperately are longing to see shalom in that is not currently the case, would you join me in standing up?
3: Oh, Father God, we, we, uh, we come before you, Father humble, and broken, imperfect. Uh, And you knew that from the beginning. And you provided for us that opportunity to simply receive the grace that you have readily available for us. So we thank you, Father God, for that grace and that opportunity. So we we ask, Father God, that you, you forgive what it is we have broken, that you mend what it is we have destroyed, and, and that you restore beauty for ashes, mm-hmm. Father uh, God. For what uh, what we meant for bad, you're able to use for good. Mm-hmm. And we just humbly, humbly come before you, Father, asking for your forgiveness for our failures, that you might restore into us the process of shalom mm-hmm. and your perfect plan, it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you. What we do during Advent season is we light candles to remind us of these things. And so I'm going to invite you uh, to come and light the candle of peace. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm I'm clueless as to where to go. <laughs> go ahead and light the candle, please. Uh huh. Gee, hold on, don't go anywhere yet, because I I have something for you. I I am not. I, I would have loved to be able to break a bowl, which I have a spiritual gift of deconstruction, um, and then mend the bowl, but I don't have that second part. We're putting it back together. But one thing that I do have is the ability to pull logs apart. And so one of my joys in life is getting to go looking, when I'm walking in nature, yeah, uh, for examples of the way that God brings beauty from the ashes. And this is from a tree that, as you can tell, burned in a forest fire. Fell over the elements began to to rain on it and for a long period of time, let's say fifteen years, it it began to look like it was disintegrating into nothing but mulch and yet this is all you see is the broken burnt part and when I, when I literally ripped the log apart. <laughs> um, God has a tendency to bring beauty from the ashes. And so I want to give you this as a gift to hang in your home. Here, I'll give it to the tall one. Um, Just as a reminder that that not only does God bring beauty out of the brokenness, but he's working even when you can't see it. This was in there the entire time, but you can't see it in the, in the, when all you can see is the brokenness. And I'm grateful for the reminder that you give to us that he's not done with us. I love you guys very much. <clears throat> <clears throat> <sighs> Dang it, Christmas is supposed to be lighthearted. Come on. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is what I love is that this is so much deeper than just presents and Christmas trees and lights and stuff like this. Our Father God is in the business of restoring broken things and bringing beauty from the ashes. You got a taste of it, and my prayer is that you would get more and more tastes of it. And one of the ways we're gonna do that, I'm gonna invite the the worship team to come forward. One of the ways that we are going to do that this morning is we're going to celebrate communion together because there is no more beautiful symbol for the way that God restores than the, the, the reminder of getting to eat the bread that symbolizes his body and drink the juice that symbolizes his blood that was shed for us that brought us peace. And so we're going to go ahead and celebrate and Actually, uh, Jeannie and Charlie, would you guys come right over here? My wife and I will be right over there. Jeff is in the back. As we, as they sing this song as a blessing over you, and the song is fittingly called The Blessing. Many of you probably know it. As they sing this blessing over you, I'm going to invite you to come when you're ready to get the communion elements. And then once we all have the elements, we're going to take them together as a reminder of Jesus's gift that He gave us when He shed His blood on the cross. So, let's worship together.
0: The Lord bless you and keep you make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord turn his face toward
2: That he is with us and he is for us. He is for you. God is not your enemy and he is not looking down on heaven with his arms crossed like an angry father, disappointed in how much you've fallen short. That's not the way he feels about us. Any of us who have had children know our kids make mistakes. Heck, they came from us. Of course they're imperfect because we're imperfect. And I think sometimes the things that we get most frustrated towards our kids in are the things that we ourselves struggle in. Or maybe that's just me. Ethan, you are so much like your dad. And I love you. And I am for you. And in the same way, our Father in heaven is for us. You don't believe me? That's why I've given you these things to remind you. Jesus, on the night that he knew he was going to be arrested and he knew he was going to the cross and he knew he was going to suffer in our place, Jesus looked at the men and women that he loved and he said, Guys, I want to give you something to remember how deeply I love you. And so, as they were sharing this meal, he took a piece of bread and and he passed it around and once they all had a piece like we've all got a piece now he said every time you eat this bread remember that this symbolizes my body that i have given for you and so let us take as a family who are united because of his sacrifice let's eat together and then he took a cup And he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. And this is not a covenant of performance where you have to earn your standing with God, where you have to prove that you are worthy to be part of the family before you are welcomed into the family. This new covenant is a covenant made in my blood. I've already paid everything in full. It's finished. And this cup reminds you that because of my sacrifice, you are cleansed and you are whole and you are complete in him. You don't have to do anything to earn your father's love. He has already lavished upon us. And that broken body that we call Jesus poured out the love of the Father so that we could be restored back into relationship with him and restored back to the purpose for which he has called us, to reflect his heart as being peacemakers. So now let us take this cup together as family. Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life so that we could live. We thank you, Father, that you don't give up on broken vessels, but you... You keep pursuing us. You keep picking the pieces up. You keep restoring them back to wholeness so that we, like Dee and Connie, and like so many other of your sons and daughters in here, that we can be vessels that pour out the hope that we have found in you. Let's worship our Father God together.
0: I just want to speak the name of Jesus Speak Jesus And I just wanna speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break.
1: us and you for my family my friends my my people that are just looking out there and wondering where the next payment for rent is gonna come for those that are wondering where the next healing is gonna take place for the bodies that are feeling pain We, we reach out to the great physician, because we know when we speak the name of Jesus, there is nothing, nothing on this earth more powerful than that name, and it is in that name that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, so this day God, as we speak the name of Jesus, we speak to the darkness, depression, addiction speak to all of those things that are trying to hold us back from speaking that holy name. We thank you for this place. We thank you for your son, oh God, who gave his all for us. We ask you for those that are out serving us in whatever uniform they're wearing this day protecting our cities, our forests, our counties, our country. Be with them, oh God. Watch over them. For some of them speak that name in places where a lot of us would never go. So we watch. We ask that you watch over them, oh God. And here at home, for the pastors in the churches of our cities, they wear a target that most of us don't even know about. For their families, we ask for hedges of protection. For armies of angels to watch over them, to protect their children. God, we ask that you fill our principals, our schools, our teachers. For those in our educations that they're dealing with. The young minds, the young generations. That you would allow that helmet of salvation to gird them. And to watch over them, protect their minds. God, we're asking today that you would hold them up and them and protect every family member that we are all thinking of, who does not know you this day. Father, let them not let the media drive them from you. Let not the media be heard. And if it needs to be an interruption of a blackout, an interruption of a oops, oh, somebody's turned off the wrong switch at the city for this this section. Let your message go out, God in our neighboring, in our contacts, in our opening doors for people. Help us, oh God, to speak the name of Jesus wherever we are going. And we ask all of these things in that holy name. So shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets.
2: family in Christ, I'm grateful for that reminder today. I'm grateful for the reminder that regardless of where you happen to find your life or the state of your relationships, God's not done with you. He hasn't given up on you. And He is in the process and this is my prayer for us is that He would continue to pour shalom into your life. Not just so that you can hold on to it for yourself, but so that you can pour shalom into others' lives. If you are carrying something heavy right now and we can join you in carrying it, please let us know. There's connection cards in the seat back in front of you. Or if you're at home, you can just email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. Let us know how we can walk with you. Or if you have a story, like Dean and Connie have a story, and you go, I want you to know who you're walking with, I would be honored if you would share that, even if it's a pearl of great pain. Jeff and I are grateful that we, who are ourselves messy people, get to do life with other people who are in process of being redeemed out of the messiness of life. If you have offering you can absolutely put it in the boxes in the back or you can give online but I want, to, I want to pray this what we just sang and it's a prayer that's found in Numbers chapter 6 this is the song that we sang a, a, a few minutes ago that blessing song this is where it comes from and I want to pray this over us as a family so if you would bow your heads with me may the Lord Yahweh bless you and keep you. May the Lord, Yahweh, make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh turn His face toward you and give you shalom. I'm reminded and I will remind you that that is not an individual prayer. When you read you in Scripture, it's typically more like the Midwestern y'all. So may God give y'all shalom. I love you. Have a wonderful week.